Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you're a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies, and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Well, since it's episode 98 and another episode ending in eight, we have Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, live in the studio as we will go through his inbox. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. And you? I'm doing super well. You know, my four-week vacation starts in about two weeks. I'm excited. Nice. You'll have to send us a postcard. <laughs> you got, yeah, we'll be from Hawaii. I'm going out to see my uh, wife's family. You know, she she hasn't had a chance to spend uh, Christmas with her father because he moved to Hawaii in eons. So we're really excited about this this opportunity to do it. Okay, Melekumaka. Nice. Someone knows their Christmas vacation. So hey, are you ready for for email? Let's do number one. So this came in from Sonia M, and she said, Mike. Noteworthy words spoken by my dad. It's always a no unless you ask. You know how many times I've repeated those words in my head because I was too scared to ask for help? And then she has like an emoji con 33, I'm sorry, 3.4 billion times at least. Says, oh, hi, Mike. I'm not sure if you'll respond to this, but I need your help filling out the incident assessment form. I only been in business since June 2021. So I don't have some of what needs to be filled in, uh, such as out or filled out like taxes. I use QuickBooks and I've kept track of every penny if I'm in fact utilizing it correctly. I appreciate any help or feedback I can get. So um, yes, yeah, so kudos to you for asking because look, the answer is a yes. We're going to answer it right now. In regards to QuickBooks, I'm going to start with your last comment about tracking every penny if you're tracking correctly, you're not sure. When it comes to an assessment, there's a couple key elements we need from there. One is your overall revenue. And it's it's very rare that that gets input incorrectly into an accounting system. But if you're not confident there, you will have a tax report um, prepared for your company. And you can extract the income from there. That's usually by an accountant who reviews your numbers and inserts it. So if you're questioning the QuickBooks accuracy for your revenue, your tax report for your business will probably have that. Then same thing with the expenses. You can just look at the uh, the business's income tax report that's getting submitted. Sometimes it's a, it's a K-1, other times it's a different type of form, but on there, you'll have that information recorded too. 
Um, but you can also just go through QuickBooks and just do a quick summary. This is kind of like what they call horseshoes and hand grenades. That was the old thing. Close enough is close enough. You don't have to get the numbers perfectly right. And sadly, I see some people stop doing the instant assessment because they say, I don't know my numbers, and they shelve it, and they never do anything. The goal of the instant assessment is to get some basic numbers in there so we have a basic understanding of where your business stands today. Once we have this instant assessment, we then can start working on a plan to bring you to the profit-first objectives. Um, in the book, I have a section about the TAPs. That's the tar target allocation percentages. Uh, we conducted an analysis of, I want to say it was about 1,000 companies in all different industries to find what their max uh, numbers were. Like, what, like wh where were the healthiest companies uh, achieving in profit? What were they doing? What were the healthiest companies doing when it came to paying the owners of the business? And uh, how are they managing expenses and so forth? So those are in there. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with this instant assessment. Again, horseshoes and hand grenades. We just got to be close enough. Then we're going to go and plug in what your numbers could be. And that'll show us the delta, the difference between where we are, and where we need to be. And then we can start making progress in small increments to get to the ideal profit first step for your business. Just one last note, Sonia. Sonia, it can take sometimes months and sometimes a year or two to get there. But you will get there if you start doing the adjustments immediately. And of course, you could always hook up with a certified Profit First professional to help you with this. A couple other points, just if you are a DIYer in QuickBooks, that this is a cash management system. So when you pull your financial reports from QuickBooks to do your instant assessment, your year prior income statement, you want to pull that from a cash basis. Your options on pulling those reports are accrual or cash basis. Typically, I think it defaults to accrual. So you just toggle and switch it to a cash basis reporting. But you're also a relatively new company, Sonia. So reverse engineering your business out of the gate and understanding, you know, based off of your target revenue and forecasted revenue that you could figure out your operating expense budget and all of the budgets for profit, owner's pay, and tax out of this relatively new gate that you've just opened up by opening up your business because it's much easier if you start hitting your target allocations out of the gate when you're a new business because you know no different. All right, our next email. Hi, Mike. I have a question about the tax account. I'm an S-Corp, so I pay myself a salary and take taxes out every paycheck. Since I want my business to pay my taxes and I'm allocating that amount to my tax account, should I be exempt from my taxes when I pay myself? This seems like such an obvious question, but I, I wanted your thoughts. Right now, I'm already allocating my taxes every paycheck, but now I'm saving the taxes in my tax account on top of that, so I think I'm double saving for taxes if that makes sense. Anyways, I know you are super busy and I really do appreciate your time. Thanks, Dustin A. Well, thanks for the question. The answer is easy and perhaps obvious, but I think it, it justifies an explanation. So regardless of the formation of the business you have, S-Corp included, but LLC, sole proprietorship, C-Corp, some form of hybrid organization, your business can always reserve for your taxes. Always. And so we're going to set up a tax account. And the idea of this tax account is to reserve for the tax liabilities of the individual owners. I realize you may have also have corporate taxes, 
those would come out of that tax account too. These are your personal owners and in a uh, personal owner's responsibility. In an S corp, when the, um, or the formation is that the owner is getting a salary through a paycheck. You probably have a paycheck company even processing it for you. And the taxes are taken out of your salary. So you have the, the federal tax, the state tax, uh, other taxes, social security and so forth. The tax account at the business keeps accumulating and then it will reimburse you. And this is the key. It reimburses you for the taxes that you were mandated to pay out of your own account. In a other types of formations, like an LLC, for example, the business can just pay the tax installment directly to the government. So it comes right out of the tax account. But in an S-corp scenario, you have to be paying taxes out of your paycheck. And then the business just reimburses you. This, by the way, is the exact formation that we have. We, we start off uh, first professionals as an LLC organization. We now converted to an S-corp. And the S-corp... Um, and, and so, therefore, I, I've moved to a salary through a paycheck, and my tax are being deducted from there. But the S corp is reserving the taxes in a tax account and reimburses me. We do that reimbursement on a ninety day um, allotment, so it comes out same time that the profit account does. But um, they are separate accounts. So always have the business reserve the taxes for you. They're, they're, you're not quote unquote exempt from doing this. You 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 need to do it for your business but you're going to get a nice tranche back from the business for the taxes that was coming out of your paycheck. Yeah. So, I mean, you have the payroll taxes and then you have the income taxes and those income taxes are really ideally on the profitability of your business, but also includes that, that money that's allocated to the tax account. That's another serving for you. So the servings from your business of profit owners pay and tax. And so, you know, the, the terminology of profit first is, the same terms, but slightly different meanings sometimes with, with the accounting terminology. So remember that there's payroll taxes and income taxes. All right, our next question. Yep, this is a, a short email with a long PS. <laughs> so this came in from Deborah. She says, uh, hi, Mike, I'm committing to paying myself first. As the founder of a nonprofit, I've sacrificed my own personal financial well-being to get off the ground. I need a change. My question at this point in the book is, how does Profit First work for a not-for-profit? That's what uh, what I'll be looking out for. Um, and then she there's a there's a list of uh, of different allocation accounts that she talks about. So there's a community fund, people fund, and all these different things. So let me start off by explaining the simple mind shift that has to happen, Deborah. When we look at a for-profit business, it's very obvious that the profit account is for the distribution to the owners. I want you just to simply change the concept of profit first to purpose first. What I mean by this is that we're going to allocate money to its purpose first. Um, and in nonprofits, there's what's called restricted funds and non-restricted funds. So if you have a restricted scenario, meaning money given by a donator for a very specific purpose, that you may want to set up a restricted purpose account and then a non-restricted where people donate money where you can allocate it to handle other functions of the business. So you can clarify that, those kind of intended uses using the profit first methodology. I also want to point out is we still need an owner's comp. We still need a tax reserve. Like we still need to ensure that the health of the organization exists. 
kind of pains me to see that you put so much effort into this and you're struggling as a consequence. It is very hard to serve people healthily if you're unhealthy. So we need to make sure that you are being cared for in this business too. Um, and we, we, of course, I'm not saying to abuse the funds by any stretch of imagination so that you are making this amazing income and the community is not being served. By, by no means am I saying that, but we do need to make sure we strike that balance. So you may have to educate your donors on what it takes to operate your business to do that, but set up those other accounts too, along with the purpose first accounts. Yeah. And you don't need to reinvent the wheel or reinvent the system and rename accounts. You can still use the profit first account structure for the allocation accounts. But as Mike mentioned, that first account is the purpose first account. So good luck, Deborah. And then our last email. Uh, Hi, Mike. Listening to the Profit First book. I'm going to try this. Here's where I'm at. I'm a janitor. I have a mindless job, which can be a good thing. I don't really have work stress. I don't lay in bed at night thinking about mopping floors and cleaning toilets. It's really easy to leave work at work. Also, I really don't have to work that much. I work about three hours a day, five days a week. This supports my family of four, and I get to listen to your audiobook at the same time. I also have a hobby business. I've been doing leather work in my ample spare time. My financial strategy for my hobby business is simple. Number one, orders that come through my website and paid for by a credit card get paid into my shared checking account. This money just gets put into the general bill, food, etc. funds for my family. Number two, orders that are paid by PayPal pay for my hobby. I buy new leather, new tools, stuff like that. Number three, orders paid by cash go into my wallet and typically go towards whiskey and taco trucks. It's kind of a fun system that way. I like that. Uh, but I would like to only do leather work someday and not janitorial. So I'm going to take this hobby business I've been doing since 2013 a little more seriously. What do you think, Dan? I, I love Dan's sense of humor. I'm with him for a little whiskey and taco truck. My gosh, that sounds amazing. Uh, and you know, it's funny, ever since I read this email, Danielle, I've been observing, because I travel uh, so much, when I see a janitorial crew, uh, I notice a lot of those folks have earbuds in. I never really paid attention before. So they're listening and learning. I was just flattered he's doing it. And thanks for that work, by the way. I, I recently ran into uh, a guy at the airport and just, I pulled him aside and said, I got to tell you, this place is so clean. It makes it so comfortable. You're really of service in a, in a great way. So thank you for that. Um, and I also am envious, a three-hour day, five-day-a-week job that can support your family. Um, that sounds like you're in something that is really a great incubator for this future business. I will tell you this. I would not personally leave that job because it's so ideal for you to do what you want to do. But I would immediately stop calling the hobby business a hobby business. I would call it the new business or my company and start treating it accordingly. Um, as such, I would set up the full profit first implementation and you already are familiar with it by the kind of the way you're setting up uh, these different revenue streams and, and playing with it. But the revenue, regardless of the source of funds, it comes through a PayPal transfer, someone gives you cash, it all goes into the income account. We've got to start treating this small new business like a quote unquote real business. So all the money goes in there because that will, that's the only way we can get a clear vantage point of what money is available for what purpose. Then we start allocating. So money comes in income. We start allocating. 
And the profit is what you can use to get that whiskey and tacos uh, going on. But um, the expenses must be used to buy materials and so forth and marketing. And and uh, you'll see how healthy the business is. When, when we're taking some of the money that comes in and using it for one purpose and some of the money that comes elsewhere for another purpose, it doesn't give us a good reflection of how the business really is. It's not a good diagnostic. So all income must go in through that one account. And then lean into it. Let, let's start building this business um, and make sure it keeps bringing you joy. The, the fact that we can grow a business uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's a great business to grow. I, I think that we need to grow a business that aligns with what our heart calls out to do. As you transfer from a hobby, like I play guitar as a hobby. Uh, that's not a viable business for me. I, I don't imagine myself going all in on that. As we transfer from this hobby of leather, leather crafting to really a full-time endeavor, that's when you'll experiencing, experience, is this something that gives an outlet for me that just gives me joy, hence a hobby, or is it something that I want to do on a sustainable basis? And, and there's more of a, I don't like the word grind, but there is more of a grind to it. There's, there's more of a repetition to it. In an outlet, like a guitar, I can pick it up and just play for a few hours. And I don't need to touch it again for a few months. And it gave me an outlet. But in a business, it needs to be sustainable. It's something that you need to be willing to address every single day and be involved with every single day as you scale it. So let's start treating like a real business now to see if you, you still whets your appetite. If it does, then let's lean into it. But I, I wouldn't leave that, that great job five days a week you have right now that's supporting for your family as you test out this other business as a real business. And you, the only thing that I have to add, especially with new businesses and someone transitioning to something that, you know, they've, they've been doing for fun and, and, and calling it a hobby is definitely you make it a real business, but also to understand what it will take of this new business to, you know, make your dreams, support your family, all of that. So how much do you need to sell a year do a reverse engineering exercise. We have lots of reverse engineering episodes and resources on our website where you can plug in numbers. But it's really important for you to know, you know, how many sales you need to make at the margin that you're charging. And, it, you know, what do those sales translate into every day? How many sales per day? How many per week? How many per month? How many per year? And design your business around achieving those sales goals that will bring in the revenue. And um, I'm just going to guess that you probably need to raise your prices too, right? <laughs> I love that you always throw that one in. Higher margin fixes everything. Yeah. I love thinking with the end in mind. I, I really do like that approach. That's a good way to go about it, Dan. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. If you would like to work with a certified profit first professional, an accountant, bookkeeper, or coach who has the heart of a teacher, then please visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. And as always, we will have a visual recap that you can download for this episode at ProfitFirstNation.com and click on resources. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.